Welcome to another edition of Sunday Poor. My name is Anthony. I'm here, as always, with my cousin Ant. Uh, kind of a somber, different episode tonight. We're going to talk uh, on the 19th anniversary of... Uh, I mean, there's no uh, soft way to put it, but the greatest tragedy, greatest national tragedy of our... Both of our lives, probably all of our lives here, uh, unless you are over the age of 60-something, 70-something. Uh, at this point, uh, it is the 19th anniversary of 9-11, um, where we're going to kind of, I don't know, maybe piece together, I don't know, what we remember about that day and uh, the aftermath of it and... Uh, I don't know, just what it means to us now. It's it's a day that always kind of weighs heavy on my heart um, personally. I, I, I have a feeling uh, my co-host, Nant, as well. Still trying to wrap my head around what happened that day all these years later. And then and even in the aftermath of it, trying to figure out, you know, what exactly went wrong and, uh, you know, how first responders and all the people that helped out were, were treated and and how their lives were affected in the aftermath. So um, I'm going to bring in my cousin, Ant. Um, so I ask him, uh, as I always do, how is he doing? And Ant, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, a little Jim Beam in front of me tonight. A little Devil's Cut. Um, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while, 19 years now. And uh, I still remember it pretty well. I remember I was in, I believe, I want to say, I want to say Spanish class. Um, I've always debated Spanish or math class, but I think it was kind of a combination of both because, you know, back then the way news trickled in, it wasn't, nobody Mm -hmm. had an iPhone in front of them. So you kind of got pieces of information at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I was a sophomore in high school at the time. And I believe I was sitting in Spanish class and the news kind of started to trickle in, you know, there, obviously, like I said, there was no cell phones. Uh, but, you know, I remember one of the kids making a comment and it must have, I don't know if, uh, if the teacher had found out first or if it was, you know, kids in the hall, whoever, uh, you know, like making a joke, like, wait, well, you know, I could see one plane hitting the towers, but two is a hell of yeah. a coincidence. Yep. Um, and like at the time, you don't even know what to think of it. You're like, okay, two planes hit the twin towers, but you're still, I don't know if it was being young and naive, but you're still kind of like, not sure exactly what happened. And, you know, obviously it was, you know, an attack on our soil in our backyard, right in New York. Um, so I would say, um, the, my first reaction to what happened was kind of, not so much disbelief, just like pure shock and not, not knowing how to really like take in what had happened, you know? 
Yeah, I was uh, I was the same way. It was all shock. I was in I was a freshman in college. Um, I just I my my school is a half hour uh, from New York City. You could see smoke rising from uh, Lower Manhattan if you went to the right part of the campus, um, high part of the campus. You had to be up. It was like a it was a parking garage. But yeah, I was in a uh, I was in a class. And right, no iPhones, but people had cell phones. And I remember somebody had heard from from I don't know how they heard whether texting was really a thing, but or a phone call between you know their classes or on the way to class, whatever, that something had happened, and it was a plane hitting the tower. And somebody had told our professor what happened. And in the middle of our class, we heard we kept we went with the class. We didn't know what was going on. And in the middle of the class, we heard like a fight. Like a, we heard a plane go over uh, head, right? And it was uh, looking back, and it was probably like a fighter jet, like somebody going in to you know uh, control the situation from the air because uh, because it, it was flying and it wasn't like a leisurely pace, right? Um, and the, the the teacher kind of with in mind what he had heard from a student in the back of his mind, he kind of looked up after hearing the over overhead. It was kind of looked up and was like, I'll never forget. I don't know. The, I can't remember the guy's name. I don't remember the fucking class. I don't remember any other time I was in this guy's room besides this day. But I remember him looking up and just going, Ooh, spooky. And, <laughs> and it's like, uh, and now looking back, it's like, well, how ridiculous is that? But, uh, you know, after class, I went back to our dorm room, and I'm with I'm with people who, like now, I'm lifelong friends with. But at the time, I had known for a week and a half. And uh, this is your days, freshman year or sophomore year? My freshman year. Okay, so you just started. Okay, just started. I don't know anybody I'm with. Uh, 18 years old, and like that. If, if there's a weirder thing to be, and it's to be with the newest people of your life and dealing with the, the biggest change the world has seen in years. And one kid who I don't maintain a friendship with, who I didn't like at the time, who nobody I know talks to, uh, <laughs> we're watching as both towers are smoldering. Like one, so we just moved in a week and a half ago. When you move into college, like everything's kind of who's got a TV, who's got a DVD player, who's got a PlayStation. You know, mm. it's like not everybody has everything. Maybe nowadays everybody does, but at the time it's like kind of sporadic. Like you know, not every room has everything. So we found a room with the TV. Who are still two of my good friends. Uh, it was that room, and we're watching as two towers are smoldering. Two of them are smoldering, and uh, kid goes, uh, "It's not even that bad." <laughs> Like, well, first, like, what are you talking about? Like, what? what like, <laughs> yeah. Who are who are you calming down right now? And thirty seconds later, the the, the first tower came down. And we're watching it topple on live TV, and it's like, well, uh, I think you're a little bit off there, Alan. Uh, so he was, he was saying this is when the towers are both still standing. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. This is when they're both still standing, man. It was uh, fresh and. Yeah, and to me, it was the beginning of internet um, news and conspiracy. And I mean, conspiracies weren't that bad. 
there were there still are obviously a lot of nine eleven conspiracies, but it was literally refreshing every ten seconds to find out if something new because nobody knew anything. Here was a time where we all needed to know what was going on. We all felt we needed to know what was going on, and we were refreshing. And now it's that's like the norm, which is crazy um, because it's not like the tower is getting hit every ten minutes. But everybody's looking at Twitter every 10 minutes, like, oh, let's see what's going on. But this was a real deal. Like, you know, uh, this is internet wasn't quite the same then, but we're trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. We, we were literally we were waiting for the president. I don't know when Bush spoke. It was that night or I think the next it was, night. I think it was that. I think it was, I want to say that night. It sounds right. Um, but, you know, it was weird because my parents were so far away and. You know, again, being on my own for the first time and not knowing anything and being able to see this fucking smoldering wreckage from an attack on our country, uh, you know, so close and just having no clue, just waiting for that first word. Well, now or now you're kind of waiting like for a statement from anybody, from the president, from the White House or from whatever and expecting it immediately. Here was here. Here we were waiting for, you know, a word on when he would speak to the country rather than his actual word and hoping for answers. Well, obviously we still probably don't have all the answers now. Yeah. It was uh, cra- Yeah. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, I remember it was the first time where I can honestly say I was like locked in to, you know, the cur- maybe not the news isn't maybe the right word, but current events. Like it was one of those things where you just couldn't pull yourself away from the TV, whether yeah. it was, I don't know what, who knows what channel it was, CNN, Fox, whatever it was, NBC. You're like, you couldn't turn your, uh, you just couldn't turn the TV off. And, you know, part of that was uh, obviously selfishly because sports had been canceled. And I remember as a kid, like one of my first reactions, this was probably being just a young, naive kid. Like we I remember us getting out of school early. And I remember uh, like thinking like, oh, I wonder if the Yankees are going to play tonight. And then like, obviously like, yeah, so there really, wasn't baseball for, you know, I think it was 10 days. You don't realize the magnitude of it all at the time. Like, it's just. No, because you're just, still, it's before you even really knew the facts of everything. At this point, you just know that two planes went into the Twin Towers. You don't even realize it's a terrorist attack yet. You, you, but you hear like all kinds of big news up at that point in your life, uh, whether it's like, um, like Columbine or, uh, um, who's a bomber, like Timothy McVeigh. And you hear these, like, bad news stories, but life kind of goes on after them, right? Yeah. So th- this, you don't really quite grasp, like, oh, this is this sucks, this is bad. But you don't really grasp the uh, enormity of it. Well, I guess when the death numbers come in and how many people are killed and who was probably behind it and what the motivations were, that might be a little bit different um, than than those two things specifically. But you know, it's the enormity of it. Yeah, I would say it felt big when it happened to me, but you, 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 you kind of, well, as a kid, you're just waiting to see what the reaction was to kind of understand how big it was. You, you don't quite know until uh, the effects of it happen. I mean, it, and it's not just sports being canceled; it was everything. We still, we still deal with some of the aftermath of it today. You know, you go to the airport and you're uh, taking your shoes off. That's because of not even because of nine eleven, it's because of another terrorist after nine eleven, yeah, who tried to light his shoes on fire. And but it, but it all stems back to that. And 
and the motivation is kind of behind it. And, you know, 18 years old, I had no grasp of what was going on in the world. And I no, feel like it, I feel like 18 year olds now have a little better idea, but I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not interviewing 18 year olds. I just kind of know what I see on TV. But well, they're more connected to the world through Twitter, through social media, the internet. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but they they might have a little bit. Uh, it's on their radar a little bit more current events. Yeah, that's okay. That's fair to say. That's probably what it is. Yeah, I. Uh, I had no idea. So even like thinking of what the motivations might be for it, I didn't, I couldn't even fathom what they were. You know what I mean? Like even oh, now, right. it's, yeah. even now it's still like, really? That was what people were willing to do for, you know, for, for what? Like, what's the, what's the fucking point? What does that accomplish? But then you kind of look and did derail the United States of America for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who knows? I mean, if we ever going to re- actually recover from it, like I, who know? Who knows if this? You know where we are now. This destabilization of uh, the country is part of the plan. If this, I mean, I, you know, I don't think they could plan for it like this or go down. But maybe kind of destabilizing the United States was part of the plan. And uh, you know, here we are in a time where we are very destabilized and not quite sure where leadership is taking us or if we even trust our leadership to take us to the right place, um, not to make it about, you know, the current, current events, but you know, who knows if the long-term plans of nine 11, if this, if it was meant to lead to something like the current events of our country, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know if I would give them that much credit. No, I, no, I think no, their no. plan, I think their plan was just to, you know, obviously just cause a lot of mayhem. damage. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, but I mean, I think attacking the towers was symbolic because of, uh, you know, they represent the big finance of uh, United States and yeah, uh, of what uh, what it kind of represents for the world. I think that was a big part of it. I mean, also they're easy targets. Southern Manhattan. It's not like there's, you know, tons of land between, you know, uh, where those planes are coming from and time for people to grasp what was happening. I mean, two planes going into the towers seems impossible, because once the first plane hits, you would think the fences will go up. But, I mean, the second plane, I even know the time between the first plane and the second plane hitting, but... What was it, like eight minutes? But you would think that now it would be uh, the first plane to hit, you would think that there would be a defense system up immediately a quicker reaction to it and uh and hopefully uh, stopping any further attacks but who who knows do you know the exact time it was between the planes hitting was it eight and change i don't know know. eight thirteen i don't know i have no idea oh no well no i don't don't even know if it was eight minutes or 12 minutes or I mean, it wasn't it wasn't forty five minutes. I know that much, but no, it was it was definitely quick because they were on the air when the second plane hit. Yeah, uh, you know, if you, have you ever gone back and watched any like the uh, newscast from that day? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't recommend it. Um, it's very uncomfortable to watch those things, and I mean, even talking about it now, like I, 
we, we plan to do this show for a couple weeks, but knowing we, we knew we were going to do a 9-11 show. We even talking about it now kind of put, puts me in a, in such a, just a, a not a bad, in a bad mood, but just a defeated, a defeated mood. I just feel like, uh, like there's no, I don't know, man. There's it, it, no good to it. There's, there's I, no closure really to it. Right. It's it, it was one of the worst days. Like, aside from like deaths in the family, stuff like that, it's one of the worst days, if not the worst day of my life. Um, just kind of witnessing everything that was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, was, it was just mind-boggling because you just don't know what to make of it. And even as you're watching it unfold and you put on the news, you just you couldn't turn away. It was like, you know, the way these assholes on the highway like to rubberneck and just watch a tragedy, that's what all of us were doing, you know, on our couches, just watching kind of the country uh, really fall apart, you know? Well, you know, I, don't, I disagree with that because that, I mean, unlike, you know, current state of affairs where everybody's at each other's throats, that 9-11 really brought the country together. We weren't falling apart as much as kind of, kind of trying to figure out what the problem was, banding together. And then, you know, I mean, I, I was, I considered, I would never want to join the army, but I, I was like, is this an, a moment where I need to join the army? Like the big thing for us was, which is stupid, but the big thing for us was, oh, this is our Pearl Harbor. But I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing like Pearl Harbor. It's just no, an attack it, on our it's, soil. It's similar in an extent, but it's very different. Right? Yeah. No, it's it's similar like on face value, but it's not Pearl. It's much, much, much different. No, way different. Um, yeah. But that's just trying to find some sort of historical context of what was going on, which makes sense to try and do that. But in 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 retrospect, looking back on it doesn't make any sense to compare the two other than it was an attack on American soil, which does not happen very often. Um, at least, you know, with bombs and planes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but like to go back to what I was saying before, like, even, like you go back and watch the newscasts of it. The, the people that are bringing the news were very, I mean, they were clueless. They were, they were open about the, the fact they had no idea what the fuck was going on. And they were they were as scared as everybody else watching. They weren't trying to put on a face of, um, like, like this is a big show and this is just to hey, what find out what's next on what's happening on this Tuesday yeah. morning next on today's show. No, it was like what the fuck is going on? Are you know anything? Again, anything going over your heads? If there's an airplane, we're all fucking twitching from it. It's. Everybody was was in the dark. What was going on, and uh, and it's, it's evident with what you see on, on TV. Um, if you look back on old YouTube videos and stuff, which again I don't recommend, but if you you want to kind of you can you can totally relive that day. Oh yeah, um, in, in all in all the worst ways on YouTube. Uh, but you know, I don't feel like. We never fell apart, you know. We we totally band together. Like having an American flag was uh, was everybody's type thing. It wasn't like a one party has the the, the rights to the American flag. Another party looks at the other at the people who raised the American flag like, oh, disgusting. Like, oh, you you're just using it as a prop. No, everybody was 
everybody was, was a flag bearing, uh, a flag waving, fuck you, we're the best goddamn country in the world, America at the time. And uh, uh, for good or ill, it lasted, you know, for a little, for a little while there, for months that we all kind of band together, um, trying to, <clears throat> trying to find out just kind of where we were and where we were going as a country. Um, I mean, we had the nine eleven concert at the Garden and shit like that, all kinds of bonding things um, that we partook in. Uh, that uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a little um, a peanut. <laughs> I was eating. I got to stop eating peanuts before the show. It happens all the time, but mm. uh, it's like my energy uh, snack. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but not good. You know, you get, you get the little uh, the little paper parts of the shell. No good. Yeah, <clears throat> chokes you up there. Um, but it really did. It didn't. I don't feel like we fell apart at all as a country. I felt like it was all. From the moment the first one hit, it was getting your bearings and then coming together to figure out what was up and then just going out and, and I mean, maybe it was all kind of propaganda, like fuck up the world, fuck yeah. up whatever fucked you up. But at the end of the day, it was, if, if somebody's going to do this to us, it doesn't matter if it's lower Manhattan, it doesn't matter if it's northern New Jersey, it doesn't matter if it's Mississippi or North Dakota or South Dakota or Virginia or Nevada or whatever, like we're all in this together. That's what it felt like at the time to me. Yeah, maybe it was a little bit more like what you were getting back to about how you see the current state of what things are like. And maybe that was, to me, I'm looking back at it as like the beginning of beginning of the end of, I don't know, just everything being politicized. Even though this, uh, this at the time wasn't politicized because I felt like we were on the same team. No, 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 it was not. It was not politicized at all. I'm telling you, man, I hated George W. Bush. We, he went out there and gave a speech. Like I said, I wasn't sure. You think it was the night of? It probably was. Maybe it was the night after, whatever it yeah, was. It was, either the, it, was one, it was either the left or the 12th, yeah. And he, he was inspiring. He was. And I, like I said, I couldn't stand the guy, but he was fucking inspiring that night. Um, and it's made you proud to be an American and proud to 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 stand next to the the people you're standing next to, and even almost sent me like to register for the army. But at the end, I was I don't really think I'm going to do that. <laughs> no, <Nah. laughs> I'm, I'm not an army guy. Yeah, it looks like he. Had, uh, it looks like it was on nine eleven. Yeah, he. I mean, and he was in he, a classroom that day, right? Reading, uh, yeah, books or something. <laughs> he didn't look very good. I mean, you could watch, I think it's Bowling for Columbine, where I don't know, uh, there's a it's one of the Michael Moore movies, Fahrenheit 9 11. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know why I thought it was that one because he he mixed up the, the two of them, he does like kind of crossover with some shit. I think uh, I don't remember, uh, but yeah, I guess it was Fahrenheit 9 11. And he, I mean, he makes Bush look real bad. Yeah, and it does look bad. I mean, you, but you know, Bush's reasoning kind of makes sense. Where he's like, "I don't want to startle the children," and yeah, yeah, don't startle the children. There's not much you're gonna be able to do. Kind of hope that the the you kind of hope that the people that you have in place can. You don't need the president to put up the defenses for the country for 12 minutes, whatever. You don't quite understand what's going on. Uh, 
I mean, I will say this. To, to me, the fact that there was an attack on our soil of that magnitude is a failure of the administration. Um, he was warned that there was plots against the country, you know, a couple months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. He did have intel, and nothing was ever really done about it. So, I mean, it happens in your watch. You got to take the hit. I don't care, you know, if you wanted, if you're a defender of him, you got to take the hit. If you're a hater of him, it's, it's ammunition for you. It, no, it happens on your watch. You have to take the hit. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is, right? I mean, hey, you know, you know if you're a manager of a baseball team and you lose 100 games, you're going to take a hit. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't a great look, you know, obviously with the, the intel that was there leading up to and him. I don't, don't want to say, say ignoring it, but, you know, just didn't do uh, – over, Overlooking, yeah. In, over, August, yeah. in August, they had intel that, you know, um, Al-Qaeda was trying to – or the Taliban, shit, I, always get to, I don't know who's who anymore, but Al-Qaeda was, was looking church. into, into – <laughs> Right. Was was looking into ways to attack us on our own soil, and at that point in August, they had those guys were in the country. Those guys were, you know, um, ready basically to do what they did. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, it was a beautiful Tuesday morning, man. Bright sky, blue sky. Yeah. And you know, it ended with just absolute. It, the, here's how long ago it was, Ant. It happened. I wanted to call home um, to be, you know, just to kind of touch base with uh, my family, and I had to use a payphone. Oh wow! I, okay. I, I didn't even have a fucking cell phone at the time. Yeah, I didn't have a cell phone at the time either. I didn't get yeah. a cell phone until I think 2003, so it was a couple years before. Yeah, I got a cell phone pretty much immediately after that because, like, I couldn't get in touch with my family because the lines and shit were down. Uh, and we're like, well, uh, if this shit's gonna happen, we're gonna have to, <laughs> we're gonna be in touch a little more, right? So, yeah, yeah. When I got a flip phone, pretty short, shortly do, thereafter. Do you remember exactly like were were classes canceled at school after that for a little bit, or? Uh, I really, I really don't remember. I know at some point during the day that day we had like a meeting outside our dorm with I don't know if it was like a PA or something. So it's a kid telling us. I don't know, to stay calm or whatever. I have no idea. Uh, if classes, classes maybe were canceled the next day, I have no idea. I really don't know, man. I don't remember at all. Uh, I would assume they were canceled for a day or a couple of days. Okay, but, gotcha. Yeah, I really don't remember. Yeah, it was, by the way, seven, was, 17 minutes in between those uh, did, did you have, planes hitting. Did you have a couple of days off from school? I don't think so, no. Right back. It's the I, American I way. We were right back, American yeah. way, man. I really don't. I remember us leaving early that day, that Tuesday. Oh, you guys left early. Wow. Yeah, oh, we had yeah. A half day. Our classes were definitely canceled the rest of that day. Uh, and then I, I think we ran right back. I don't remember staying home. Yeah, there's a, you know what? You know, there's, there's a chance that Thursday or that Wednesday was canceled. There's a chance that the rest of the week was canceled. Um, I really don't remember. I mean, colleges. I mean, classes happen every so often in college. Right, it's different. Yeah, <laughs> it's different. Yeah. Uh, I might have skipped classes anyway, which I made a habit of doing that occasionally. <laughs> I just might have just started there. 
don't know. Yeah. Since this was your first week. Oh, yeah. Like meeting everybody for the first time. It was. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a very weird time in your life to go through something like that. Like just processing, processing this with all new people in your life. Um, people you literally only met like a week before was fucking. I mean, again, not to be a broken record here, but fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, have, you, have you gotten into any of the conspiracies at all? Uh, yeah, I did a bunch. Yeah, I've looked at a bunch of those. I don't know. Like, I don't know what I... I'm going to go ahead and say it was terrorist attack. There's, like, yeah. there's, there's, there's one thing I remember that kind of clicked to me, and I don't. I never backed it up or went to look for anything. But I remember reading someplace that uh, somebody said that like a week before, a few floors were closed down for... I don't know if it was renovations or who knows what the excuse was. Uh, but, you know, a few floors were closed down and they think I was to, like, install the explosives. But who knows if that's even accurate or true or if floors, if there's ever any renovations, you know, a week before. Who knows? Yeah. It was just, like, one video I remember seeing. I like watching. I'd rather watch, like, the inspiring ones now. Like, there's the kid with the red bandana. That guy went back in and saved, you know, a dozen oh, people right, or whatever right, it is. Right, yeah. Like I like watching though. Like if I'm gonna watch it, I don't like reliving it that much anymore these days because it takes me on some dark, dark paths. But uh I mean if I'm going to I'm gonna watch like the feel not there's any feel good ones, but like the feel good type ones where it's kinda like, all right, look, this was disaster, but here's somebody to kind of inspire you. Whether you know whether they were one of the people who uh, perished, or you know, or, or or one of the people who were was a hero that kind of lived to tell a tale, um, those are the ones I'd rather watch at this point. I don't, the conspiracies I can't go down that road anymore. It was just, it's just it's just too much. It's just too much. It's just too much to uh, uh, to process as far as um, what was going on at the time, and it's too much to. Uh, and maybe that's the goal of a conspiracy, I guess. But it's too much. Like I have too much grief wrapped up in the, in that day, in those days. Yeah. To uh, 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 to, to to think of anything, of think of anything else to do with it. I don't yeah, know. I never really did a deep dive, only because uh, I don't think there was really that much of a conspiracy. Like one of the more, one of the more interesting things I would say would be the fact that none of the planes were rerouted after they went off course, which is supposedly what's supposed to happen, right? When a plane goes off, I mean, the plane's supposed to stay directly on its course. Well, one, one, was from, one, one was from Newark, which is, yeah. I mean, how far off course was it? And I don't remember where the other one was, at least the tower. I don't, Newark and none of them were from New York uh, airports, right? They weren't. I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure. But the first one was from Newark and got and hit. And there's 20, 18 minutes between. You would assume there's a lot of confusion going on around. Uh, yeah, it took off from Newark and it was uh, supposed to go to San Francisco. Okay. And what was this? Where do you have where the second plane took off from? Uh, that was not UN 93. Right, because 93 is the only one down in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember. 
There was one that was headed to L.A. It started off in, it looks like Washington. I want to say D.C. That was the one that the Pentagon, though? Uh, it was Flight 77. I don't remember. Which, I don't know which one that one was. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. Those are the two that are kind of forgotten. Like, we always forget about the the one that went down and the one at the Pentagon. And the Pentagon one, I remember that. That I remember reading some conspiracies on. Yeah. Which is, is, it's easier to believe the Pentagon conspiracies because there's no video of it. Oh, yeah, the Pentagon one I could buy a little bit. Like, there's some crazy Again, about the Twin Towers, about, oh, it was holograms, which is obviously, like, crazy to even, yeah. to even think. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, the Pentagon one, I feel like, has a little bit of legs just because... There's no uh, video. Some, there's yeah, no something video seems up with that one. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, does it, does it, I mean, a plane crashed into the Pentagon, and the Pentagon's a pretty secure building. And it's, and it's great. I mean, it's not a hundred and something floors. It's like, I don't know. I don't know how many floors the Pentagon in. Uh, Probably not many that many. No, it's not. It's all, it's all like right on the ground there. Basically. I'm going to say it's under a dozen floors. But I don't know. Um, it's not very tall though. And there's areas of it that don't, that aren't inhabited that much. Um, and even if they are, there's not that many people to, to, to it, again, that was more of a symbolic, like the, the towers was symbolic with a lot of people involved. The Pentagon symbolic with not as many people. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just the Pentagon supposed to be a secure place. Right. Um, Trying to send and, a message. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there are like things where you, like, I forget the specifics of it, but the, the conspiracy was, like on the ground, like could you? There like, were no wing marks, like where the wings should have um, been burning. Like if they were that close to the ground, they should have been, you know, searing the gr- the ground at that you know where it was going over. Um, you know, which means like what, it was a missile. Which if it was a missile, it had to be launched from American soil. Yeah, which means which means we launched it. Which just seems fucking stupid to me. It does, it, yeah. It does. It's just, it's just looking for the slightest hole in the story and expanding on some sick, twisted imagination. Yeah, to me, like you compared it to Pearl Harbor before, which is, yeah. you know, which is fair. But to me, I, I feel like this is more like uh, Kennedy. That's fair. Yeah. Well, look, there's conspiracies to Pearl Harbor too, because Pearl Harbor dragged us into the into the war. Yeah, I never, uh, I never did a deep dive into that, so I don't even know. The, I've done Kennedy, obviously, and I've done nine yeah. eleven a little bit, but I never did Pearl Harbor. Well, there's conspiracies that the president uh, let it happen because then we'd be forced into it. It was, uh, was that it FDR was, was the president at the time. Not FDR. Um, Eis- not Eisenhower. No, forty one was Pearl Harbor. Uh, yeah, be, yeah. Had to be FDR. Yeah, Eisenhower was a World War II guy, so it couldn't be him, obviously. Um. Yeah, okay, so it's FDR. But yeah, yeah, because FDR and uh, Churchill did a lot of shit together. So yeah, um, yeah. So there's a lot of conspiracy. It was like kind of uh, not that they let it happen. Well, they did let it happen, but it's kind of like yeah, kind of turn a blind eye because then the United States could be in. Or the other thing is that Churchill might have 
not giving up information because he needed America to join a war. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know the extent of the, you know, those. I don't right. Like, like, like with you, I, I know more about Kennedy than I do about Pearl Harbor. But Oh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, I mean, I would just say it was the darkest day since Kennedy, though. Thousand percent. Yeah. Thousand percent. Because Kennedy, yeah, Kennedy really, like, I feel like Kennedy was one of those times, even though he was obviously, a, you know, Democrat, liberal, whatever you want to call it. Like, we were all on the same team, even though I wasn't around then. Like, we were all on the same team that day when the president got assassinated, which is how 9-11 was. Like, we were all no. on the same team for a short, a short period of time, obviously. Not, not if you believe that Burt Lancaster movie that we watched. That's true. What was that called? <laughs> Executive action. Executive action. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Did not think I was going to pull that out, but I, no, I would have never. I would have never remembered that but, at all. But but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that just goes to show you that even though you know, as uh, as a people, we might be banded together over a, a shared grief or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. that there's always like these dark forces that, oh, yeah. if, if they didn't conspire to it, they will benefit from it one way or the other, and be like, look. The whole country's grieving, but we can use this for this purpose or another, right? Not that they planned it or they wanted it to happen, but once it happens, they uh, kind of tap themselves in and say, look, we're up. Let's go. Nobody's paying attention right now. Let's uh, let's take advantage of the situation and make the most of it for ourselves. So that, that might be kind of where conspiracy theories even come from was the fact that people do benefit from these tragedies. And, it, you know, it's just it's too juicy for for just civilians to think like, well, somebody must have wanted us to happen because of look uh, how much they're benefiting, benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know exactly where uh, they, they even come from, but that might be part of uh, the motivation to look at them. All right. So obviously the back, you know, the backdrop of 9-11 and uh, the main distraction if you will, was baseball after this tragedy. Ten days later, you know, I think it was September 21st, that Friday, the Mets come back at Shea. Piazza hits a big home run uh, against the Braves. And, like, it was kind of like a sense of, like, uh, I don't want to say normalcy because nothing was normal at that point. But it was just a – a sense of almost camaraderie as like New Yorkers. Like it was like we were all watching that game rooting for New York for some reason. You know what I mean? Even if you hated the Mets. It was triumph. Um, it was a sense of triumph. It, it was, was. It was a sense of triumph. But I, I, I want to say, I can't, I want to say Steve Carson gave up that home run, but I'm not sure. The Piazza Dinger. Who gave it up? Yeah, I want to say it was Steve Carson, but I'm not sure. But a big home run, he comes up and hits it, and it was just, uh, it was like the first time, you know, at least for Mets fans specifically, New Yorkers, um, where it was like a sense of just like being able to like be happy again because it was 10 days of just misery and, you know, asking yourself why, you know, why this had happened. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, uh, like, at that point, we, I personally, and I think everybody, nobody knew if it was even safe to be in a stadium at that point because – of you know such a brazen attack on us that every everything seemed like a target every time anybody congregated anywhere it seemed like a possible target i mean that's why i mean there's that's why there's metal detectors now that's why there's um 
you know, there's there's certain procedures when you go into any kind of ballpark uh, about, you know, uh, who's going in there. It's just everything seemed like a soft target. And going to a ballpark, congregating with your fellow men, it didn't seem like now everybody's looking at everybody suspiciously, like, oh, you sneezed, you... <laughs> Was that you were just clearing your throat? Was it a cough? Like, uh, did to feel your head for a fever? Everybody's fucking suspicious. Everybody here, it was kind of the same way because, but you know, I mean, it was probably more suspicious of anybody wearing a turban, which seems like a terrible thing to say. But <laughs> in the aftermath of nine eleven, I hope you can forgive me for you know for you know saying that people felt that way. But that's how people felt. I mean, like, you kind of looked at people sideways if they didn't look like somebody you felt like, you know, that might not be in the news or somebody that could be cast as a terrorist, which is a bullshit way to deal with things. But in the aftermath of 9-11 is at a at minimum understandable. You don't have to tolerate it. You could say, fuck you for being a racist. But at the minimum, you could understand the people were on edge. Mm. So, so be, but even still, being back in a, in, in a ball, ballpark like that was such a weird type of situation where you're just kind of like, should we be here? Every time, I mean, like fighter jets would fly over the stadiums uh, in, in, a, uh, in a show of, I don't know, force or show of honor, show of American power, whatever it is. And, and even still, like you see a plane fly over, you kind of get a chill. Be like, shit, that was an airplane flying over. Like two weeks ago, an airplane was used as a weapon against our country, and it was, it was just, I mean, nobody was sure if they were doing the right thing. Nobody was sure if this was the way to, to handle the situation. So, yeah, so being in Shea Stadium that night, there was a lot of nerves, not just for a ball game, but just as a country and as a city. Um, I mean, the Mets, the Mets fans, and Piazza of, of number one delivered. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible moment. Yeah, a great moment. It was. It, it really was incredible, and it just like it felt like all eyes were on that game that night. Lopez wants it away, and it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Come down. Howie Rose on the call. It's three to two. Everybody's on the field before the game with NYPD, NYFD hats. Right, and it was the Mets and Braves. It was two rivals going out there before yep. the game, kind of, you know, mixing it up, shaking hands or whatever. I mean, he, even just watching it here, it's just uh, the fans going bonkers. You look in there. I mean, you don't want to psychoanalyze, you know, 30,000 people, but you just look at them in the eyes of the fans, and they're just exhausted. They're hurt. They're devastated. Being there was such an uplifting moment and a big, a big like, yes, we're going to get through this. Take a look at this. He's got as much power as anybody. He got the arms extended. A long home run. And a curtain call. And a curtain call. <laughs> and a curtain call. Uh, it, I mean, it, it was... It was a big step in a way to healing ourselves as like a, as a country, man. It was mm. just, uh, um, yeah, like I, just look, like I said, just looking in those fans' eyes, you just know uh, the shit they went through the past 10 days was devastating. You know, friends they knew and 
friends of friends or husbands or wives, whoever died. They knew people, man. They knew people that, that died in that. And, uh, I mean, uh, hey, it's, 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 a, it's a home run in a regular season baseball game, mm. which, which, you know, sometimes they don't mean shit, but sometimes they mean everything. And that one meant everything. It did mean everything. And um, as big as that home run was, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Brian Jordan basically ended their season a couple days later, if I, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, there's, there, a, there's there, a bad guy in every story. You know? Yeah, there is. There, <laughs> big heel, Brian Jordan. And then, you know, the real team in New York had to kind of carry, uh, carry the torch the rest of the way. And that would be the Yankees, which I don't know. I mean, I actually found a box score of a game. I was actually at a game in 2001, about a month before 9-11, against the Angels, where Tino actually had a game-winning home run in the eighth inning. Okay. Um, I was at – let me get the date on that exactly. I have it up here right now. It was August 4th, 2001. One o'clock game on a Saturday um, it was Clemens against Ismail Valdez. Ooh, that's a name for the past. Sure. And wow. Rivera, Rivera, of all people, actually blew this game in the eighth. He gave up a two-run home run to Gloss. Angels went up 4-3, and then Tino hit a two-run dinger in the eighth to put us ahead, and then Mo obviously came out and closed it out and actually won the game. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was crazy to think about when I was, I was looking – um, at this game and just to think like, wow, this is a month before the whole world changed and just not yeah. knowing what was like being at this game and not knowing what was going to happen. Yeah. For, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's like weird to think about. It's kind of like, you're going to think about that nowadays with, uh, you know, cor- you know, Corona and just like, Hey, where was I in, uh, you know, just like Christmas time, for example, not knowing what was to come. You know what I mean? It's just it's kind of like a before and after. It's one of those like real like moments in time. Yeah, like well, I mean, there's no real big sports moments that kind of got derailed in the midst of them. Right. But like we'll look back on like the Kobe, like well, maybe the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl. And, like this yeah. Super Bowl and like the Kobe and the Kobe dying, and we'll look back on that and be like, wow, just like a two months later, everything fucking changed. Right. Like, it, it's good. Yeah, there's gonna be moments like that where it's just. Uh, or, or where the perspective of uh, what happened um, kind of comes down to a real life type thing. And, it's a before uh, and after. I know because when yeah. I watch like old Sopranos, you know, there's always <laughs> yeah. a before and after. It's like, is this one of the ones before 9 11 or is this? And you could tell kind of because like some of the ones after 9 11, they, they bring it up like very subtly. Oh, well, the towers are in the theme song. I mean, right, yeah. Like I'm, I'm at a place with Sopranos where I kind of ignore the theme theme song, but or just kind of background noise until it starts. But uh, yeah, I mean you, you, the ones after don't they, they 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 take it out. Yeah, and if you watch like the first and second season, uh, it's in there at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. and it's rear it's mirror, right? Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, so yeah, the Yankees obviously that year having a big year. You know, they're going for their fourth straight championship. And um, I would say the thing I remember most about this playoff run, uh, at least the early early on, at least I would say, with the Oakland A's, I remember Art Howe talking a little bit of shit. I think his, his, yeah, his his exact line was that the Yankees were going to have to play great 
in order to have a chance to beat them. Which is a rough quote. You know what I mean? Looking back, obviously, that, the, you know, no, they didn't win. There's one guy that should never have a movie made about him. It's Art fucking Howe. Who played Art Howe in that movie? I never seen it. Do you know? Uh, I think it was, I'm going to say it was J.K. Simmons. Oh, who really? Was, Schillinger? It was, was too good for Art Howe. I think it was him. Moneyball, right? Seen in the movie? Yeah, I never, I never, I know Pitt, obviously, and Jonah Hill, but I don't know who else. I think it was J.K., but uh, I'm not just kidding. Ah, terrible joke. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, no, I should fucking retire from podcasting right now. Uh, uh, no, no, actually, an all-time actor. Wow, was J.K. Simmons even in this movie? Oh, it wasn't J.K. Simmons. Okay, it was, it was not. It, this is an all-timer for an actor. Really? Yes. I have no idea. I'm not even going to try and guess because I don't know. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, shit. I was thinking him, too. <laughs> you, just, you had no idea. You had yeah, I know. I, I, I was thinking he played a player or something. Chris Pratt played, I mean. Scott Hatterberg, right? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Gross. I mean, they're just the players. Just the players who are in, like, the cast are disgusting. Yeah. Jer- who played Jeremy Giambi? Who, who Jeremy played- Giambi was in the movie? He, yeah, of course, he got tagged out at home. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I, last, I, would assume they didn't even, I would assume they didn't feature that. Last scene in the movie. Uh, yeah, er, best player in the whole movie is probably Eric Chavez. Mark, really? El- Mark Ellis. Oh, uh, wow. There's Car- a lot of... Carlos Pena. Uh, yeah, we said Hatterberg. Um, well, no, Ron Washington, but as obviously a coach. Yep. Ken, Ken Maka. Ray Durham. Eric Burns. Jesus. Eric Burns did not play himself. Who I would have said. Oh, Ken Maka's in it too. Eric Burns, who I was. Was Terrence Long himself. in it? Did anyone play Terrence Long? I don't see Terrence Long in the cast list. Wow. Eric Chavez. Oh, yeah, he is. He is in it. Oh, Miguel, he is? Oh, yeah, I missed the whole like, row here. Mark Ellis, Terrence Long, Miguel Tejada. How about Frank Menachino? I don't see Frank Menachino. Completely here. ignored Frank Menachino. Okay. <laughs> He's a New York guy, Frank Menachino. Let's see the guy who played Terrence Long ever played. Nope, never played anything else. Oh, man. That I feel nice. bad. I, yeah, I feel bad. Well, you played in another movie in a miniseries. But it seems like he might have been an extra in that movie. Frank Menachino is from Staten Island, New York. That's disrespectful. Now I have him in the movie then. He's actually a coach for the White Sox right now, which I had no idea. I mean, I oh, it looks like it's for the AAA team, so. <laughs> <laughs> he was a right, Marlins so... coach for a while. Wait, he... So Art Howe talks shit before. Why, why is he talking shit uh, about I mean, the it was, it was a very subtle shot, you know what I mean? It was one of those things where he said it very, like, stone-faced. But it was definitely, uh, it was taken as a shot, at least. Right, one of those things where maybe he was saying it as like as his feelings as a coach, like they gotta play great to beat us, you know? We're a pretty good team, they gotta play great. Yeah. And maybe meant it to be more motivational for his team, but it was ended up being chalkboard material for or whiteboard material or whatever kind of board material for the other team. Yeah, which it certainly was. And you know, I mean the crazy thing was, uh let me see, I'm trying to find this article right now. 
the article starts off in the New York Times. No one necessarily said that Art Howe was wrong in what he said. The question was why he said it. Right, 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 right. Well, I mean, you get the playoffs. You got to play great anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck's your point, Art? Yeah, I can't find the actual quote, but. Art Howe's not worth your time. Let me tell you that right now. No, he's not. And then the crazy thing is, is they came out, they took a 2-0 lead, so. I mean, they backed it up out of the gate. They did. It was nerve. It was. It was nerve wracking early on. We, you know, we got kind of punched in the mouth there. You know, Art Howe does deserve the time. Let him talk his shit. He was in baseball forever. He was, and then he had yeah. to coach the Mets. The poor bastard. Yeah, that's really the end of that. Everything that, you know, it's just taking something you love for an entire career and just taking and just taking a big fat dump on it. Sorry, yeah. Art. Sorry, Art. <laughs> yeah. So the A's actually take those first two games. The Yankees look terrible. They lose two home games. They're going out to Oakland. And obviously the flip foot the flip play happens. Which I iconic. mean it's just a signature. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, iconic moment in Yankee history, you know, Yankee postseason history. Um, and it just, to me, it just felt like even at the time in real time, it just felt like it changed the series and it gave the Yankees like a, you know, and the Yankee fans like a, a reason to believe that like, okay, we could actually win this. It felt like at that point, uh, it, almost, it been... almost felt like with coming off three straight world series championships, like it almost felt like a sense of invincibility. Like we could just do anything. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I was what I was gonna say was like it felt like we were a team of destiny because of what happened. Like it was owed to the Yankees, owed yeah. to New York. But you know what? That's that's a better way to put it. You're right. It felt more like this is a great, this is a championship team. It didn't quite feel. I feel like the what, what we're gonna get to in the World Series was like what I just said. But yeah. with, with, with the flip play, it was just like yeah, we're a fucking championship team. We're gonna fucking figure out a way to beat you and. If you had a guess, yeah, um, how many games over or under? Okay, well, here's number one. Do you think Art Howe finished his career over 500 or under 500? Uh, uh, as, as, a, as a manager. As a manager, I would have to say over just because a lot of those A's teams were good. Okay, well, you're wrong. Ah, um, fuck. But it's not because over 500 as an A's. He manager. Was, yes, yes. He coached the Astros, right. for, Astros, <laughs> for, Astros for five, A's for seven, Mets for two. Okay, I didn't even know he managed the Astros. Okay. And his career was under 500. Now, how many games under five? I'm going to give you a, a, a hint here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, my question is how many games under 500 did he wind up? And my hint is that he was. Uh, Let's see, not sixty-seven games over five hundred as an A's manager. So seven years with the A's, he was six hundred and five thirty-three. So, so that's 67. 67, 67 over. All right, and he was under five hundred for his career. All right, so he was only with the Mets a couple of years. How bad could he have been? So he must bad. not have been great. It wasn't great. He must not have been good with the Astros. I'll say like ten games under. 
Wow, that's pretty good. He was uh, it's, it's less than ten. It's it's eight games. Okay, okay. yeah, that makes yeah. sense because because he was good with the A's. He had like the two like maybe maybe a three four year stretch with the A's where he was really good, and they just did it and uh, you know the window closed obviously. Yeah, they got better every year. I mean, uh, every year. he started off, he was up and down, and then he went. Well, actually, listen, he was seventy-eight his first year, regressed the second year, and then every year after that, so he went sixty-five wins, seventy-four, eighty-seven, ninety-one, one hundred two, one hundred three, um, and so that was two thousand and two with one hundred three, and that was yeah every so after his first year, every year or after his second year, every year was on the way up. Okay. Um, but yeah, he had a really good career with the A's and then, uh, with the Mets, not very good. No, he I wasn't was, great with the Mets. <laughs> he was 20, 20, games under as an Astros manager and 60, hang on, what is this? 63. No, 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 Sorry. Did the wrong math there. Uh, whatever. 424 winning percentage as a Met. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good run with the Mets. I know that. No, so forty forty nine games under five hundred. So one thirty one thirty seven and one eighty six. Yeah, forty nine games. So yeah, tough couple of years for the Mets. Yeah, they're solely responsible for him being under five hundred. Yeah, but same thing with the A's. Sixty six wins the first year, seventy one year seventy one the second year. So on the way up, it is the Mets and the patience swarm, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, they <laughs> weren't. They weren't. No, we were so, ready for him. That was right, uh, so, Willie. Willie must have took over after him. Yeah, another guy, five. Another guy who the Mets made look like shit. Right, another guy they ran out of patience with. Willie should be managing today, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there was my uh, Mia Culpa with uh, Art Howe. I feel bad. I told him to shut the fuck up. He, he deserved to say something. Yeah, he wasn't talking shit, but uh, I get you know, we, I get it. All right, where were we? <laughs> well, we're in the middle of the Oakland series. Obviously, he's come back and win after the Jeter foot play. And at that place, I mean, I remember taking a lead in game four and just thinking that Oakland was dead. Okay. You know, I mean, just yep. and then coming back and obviously winning the series. And then I don't know about you, the next series, ALCS, we play the Mariners, the 116-win team who had broken, you know, the Yankees' uh, record of just a few years prior with 114. Yep. And uh, I remember being just immensely confident going into that game, I mean, going into that series. I just the felt Man- like I just felt mm-hmm. like we were beating that team. That Mariners team did not scare me. Uh, no, it was funny. It's funny because like '95 they beat us, but after that it kind of felt like they belonged to us. Yeah, I mean, with, with the Mariners, it was just they were they were very good, but. They weren't a cha- They just weren't a championship team. You know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah. what the Yankees fall into nowadays. You know, like they're just like yes. one of those teams that's very good. And kind of like the Texas Rangers were in the nineties. Very good teams that hangs around. It's going to be like a little bit of a thorn in your side, but you're not really scared of them. That's. And I a, feel like that's what the Mariners were. To that's us. a. That's a. That's a. That's a cold slap in the face of reality, right there. We are. Definitely like a Mariners Rangers type team right yeah. now, and and here's why because like the Mariners were like a stepping stone for the Yankees, like a very good team. They used to have to beat on the way to the big boss. Yes, and 
and we're yeah, they, the Yankees were the you know the big boss of the of the, of the American League, and now they're not, and the Mariners were not at that at that point. Even as a hundred and fourteen win team, uh, they were not. No, and obviously, like made pretty quick work of them. Um, I mean, the the thing I would remember from that series was. Uh, game four, the Soriano walk-off. Okay, yeah. Oh, yes. I love Soriano, man. When he was good, he was so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> the Soriano walk-off was great, and then blowing him out in game five, and just beating them in five, and just taking that team to the woodshed was just... Uh, it was just incredible. Yeah, Pat, a couple wins in the series. I think he was the MVP, yeah. Was it, man? Yeah, it's... uh. This is a classic Yankees dynasty series right there. Right. right. Just, just wipe the floor with them. I think Mariners a lot of credit. I mean, they got they got rid of Griffey. Or Griffey walked. They didn't get rid of him. But Griffey walked. And they still maintained, like, competitiveness. I mean, they still had – they brought in each row. And they had Edgar. And they brought Olerud over. And it was still a very, very good team. Um, but just not – uh, it's never, never the team. No, I mean, never. It, Always the yeah, bridesmaid. I, I would have to kind of look back and see, but like I wonder, like how good the ale was that year. Oh, one for th- for them to win 114. Like, was it just them being very good, and there being a lot of teams to beat up on, or were they that good? I mean, hey, you win that many games, that hat goes off to you. But yeah, but just kind of wondering. That's like, like, I don't know. Like, I like know the, Cleveland like, was good that year. Oakland was good. I mean, they had a really good team in their division. Like the Twins last year. Like the Twins won 100 games. But, I mean, like how good were the Twins? Like, yeah, right. They really, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, all right, yeah. So the Yanks, Yanks, Yanks handled the Mariners. And meanwhile, we have this uh, fucking expansion team waiting for us on the other side of things. Yeah. And, I mean, I felt like going into this. There's, you know, there's no bigger uh, moment. There's no bigger stage than the World Series Yankee Stadium in New York, in the Bronx, New York, in 2001. Yeah. Uh, that, I, I wasn't there, obviously, but it was just a surreal scene to see what was going on. It was all, it was draped in American pride. It was draped. It was in the aftermath of 9-11. It was draped in the memories of the lost. And it was, it was, it was worn on. It was, I mean, that's where, you know, the seventh inning stretch God bless America started. It was where, yeah. you know, I mean, they brought the Eagle in from center field for the open. Uh, yeah. For, uh, was it for, um, yeah, they brought where they brought in Ronan Tynan. Ronan Tynan. Yeah. It's until right. It got right. canceled. Yeah. Was he was he a rapist? Is he a rapist? No, nah, I think he that? said some anti Semite stuff. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the 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 the, uh, the the tradition lives on even without Ronan Tynan. <laughs> but I mean, they had an eagle flying from center field after the national anthem and shit like that. I mean, it was just. Um, I, I mean, there's no bigger stadium. It was old Yankee Stadium. It was packed to the gills. And it was a team that we, I think fans just felt like, I think fans just felt like deserved the World Series. I mean, and here's a team, the New York Yankees, who have won 
you know, 25, 26 at the time, World Series, the most ever. And it just felt like it was their God-given right to win this year of all years because of what yeah. happened. And it was the only year that everybody was rooting for the Yankees. Yeah, it was weird in that sense where the Yankees were kind of like the the uh, sympathetic figure, empathetic yeah. figure, whatever you want to call it. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah I, I remember going into this series thinking the Diamondbacks were a big threat, a big challenge. Uh, obviously, the you know the two-headed monster, Schilling and Johnson, but I just felt like they'd find a way. I felt like Yankees in six. You know, I was I was probably of that mindset. Um, you know, and obviously it doesn't work out, but uh, just the the journey throughout this series was just like something. I I, I don't even know. It's it you know it's tough because. Um, obviously, Diamondbacks go up 2-0 in the series. Yankees take game three. Then you have games four and five. Yeah. And normally, I would say, like, you know what? Heroic comebacks, big ninth-inning home runs. Doesn't matter because you lose the series. But I feel like looking back as to what was going on with, obviously, 9-11 as the backdrop, like we said, I feel like those games kind of stand alone and have a have a special meaning uh, to not to not just Yankee fans, but just baseball fans for what they were, even though the Yankees didn't win. Yeah. Oh, I agree, man. I agree. And, they- I mean, they're just incredible looking back on. And unfortunately, as you know, being the you know like the sick psychotic sports fan you are, if you look back at those games and you can't help in the back of your head realize that they lost that series. But if you just put yourself in that moment and judge those games in a vacuum as just single games, I mean, just as good a wins as you could ask for. Uh, Well, I think, I mean, that's kind of the epitome of this, of that year was, look, you look back at them, there were awesome moments, but even if they won the series, and I've gone, and I've said a thousand times, like I would trade uh, maybe every every World Series except '96 for this one because this would have been. I mean, we I, I still feel to this day that the Yankees deserve to win this series. I still feel like of all the ones that they that they played in, this is the one that they should have had for just for all the right reasons, right? It's just it was for, a real uh, tough. It was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, but I mean, just looking back on it, like, those two games, you watch the highlights, and it's bittersweet, which is probably how World Series would have felt. If you look back on it now, it's like, yeah, we won the World Series. The Yankees won. It was great. Got the hat, the shirt, you know, whoever, you know, Jeter, whoever's the MVP, Rivera, whoever it was. Um, but it was in the aftermath of 9-11 and, you know, New York's darkest moment. And it would it would have been bittersweet either way. This makes it bittersweet without even being able to celebrate the victory, which probably makes more sense. Yeah. You shouldn't, I mean, you shouldn't have, I mean, you shouldn't look back on that year with any kind of joy, I guess. It shouldn't be like, uh, uh, you know, something to celebrate in any way. So I think it probably makes sense that the Yankees didn't. And again, I, I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow that I, you know, I'd still wish we'd won that series. Oh, so, yeah. 
It no, should, it, was tough. Should have, it was tough. It should have been us. We deserve to win it, man. But. I've often seen this question posed on like social media, on like Twitter. Like, if you could change the outcome of one sporting event in your life, what would it be? For you, I mean, for me, I guess it would be two. But Game Seven in Arizona. Uh, you know what? Like, I kind of came to that conclusion right now about how it should be bittersweet because of 01 after we had the whole conversation in the first half of the show. Yeah. So, kind of, to me now, it feels serendipitous that, like, maybe there was a right outcome. I'm going to say 04. <laughs> it should have been game, game four, you would change the game four, Rivera? The steal and all that shit? Yeah, because people say if yeah. you could change one game, like I wouldn't change game seven. I would change game four. I would just go for the sweep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I would just end, just end it right then and there. Yeah. Uh, maybe end the Red Sox as, as we know it. But, uh, yeah, it would be it would be uh, 2004, I okay. think, over this. It's just, I, yeah, I, I think in my heart I want it to be this one. But as a sports fan, it would be the – as a pure sports fan, it would be Yankees Red Sox because I'm not happy the curse ended either. <laughs> like I just don't like the curse right. still be true. That's true. So, um, do do you think, uh, or did it does it change for you, or is it still all one? I mean, all one just feel, it feels like uh, I, I agree with you. It feels like it should have been a win, man. I mean, brocious, Mister November. Yeah, and then you got Pettit Soriano with the home Soriano run. Soriano in seven, yeah. I mean, and he like Pettit in game six was a letdown, and it it just I just felt like it should have been there. So you have Mo on the mound against. I mean, um, I hope I never see Luis Gonzalez in my life. I would just I would spit on him. I would spit on him. Yeah, I hate, I hate him. I I hate the guy. I wouldn't mind doing that. Um, I just read that Ronan Tynan, the first game that he didn't perform was game one. <laughs> 2009 LCS, he was not invited to. I was actually at that game. It was wow. the first playoff game at the – or no, first not first playoff game. I guess it was the first LCS game at the uh, new stadium. I was at that game, and he was not invited there. The Liberals won early on oh nine before cancel culture even started. Right, right. What happened was it, I guess he was showing a building or some sort of property and the the realtor said something about who was going to buy it saying that at least they weren't Red Sox fans. And he said something like at least they weren't Jewish. So whether he was joking or not, that was uh that was it for Ronan Titan. 11 years 11 years later he's still canceled. Wait, what? He was showing a, like a what do you call it? Like he was oh, trying so to sell a property. Oh, so he owned it and he was trying to sell it? Yeah, and she said, and the realtor said at least they're not Red Sox fans. And he oh, said, oh, yeah. at least they're not Jewish. That's what he got canceled for? Yeah, it's not even that bad. I mean, by 2020 standards, that's not terrible. I mean... It could have been a joke also. Yeah, I mean... There's so there's so much gray area with jokes. I mean, not even gray area. There's no gray area with jokes anymore. It's all black. He is I, he is Irish though too. So like I I feel like Irish people have that stigma attached to them. Got to be careful. See what maybe you're gonna be canceled for saying Irish people have a stigma. Nah, you can say whatever you want about Irish people. No one, <laughs> no one gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, they're with the Italians, man. Nobody cares what you say about Italians. No, no. You could say anything you want. 
He is wow. He's only sixty. So he, Ronan Thailand's only sixty years old now. Yeah. Holy shit. He's performed at uh, let's see Ronald Reagan's funeral, George H. W. Bush's 80th birthday, George W. Bush's second inauguration, Rangers games, second or no second St. Patrick's Day reception. With President Bush. All right, so he definitely sounds like a conservative. He's fucking doing a lot of George H.W. Bush's state funeral. I mean, they were, I mean, they were, in, they were in power. Oh, time. 2008 President's Dinner. That was an Obama thing, I guess. Um, or maybe not. I don't know if it was early 2008. But yeah. Oh, and he also... Oh, this is where he loses credibility. On July 4th, 2010, <laughs> he performed God Bless America for the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. Ah, oh, what a loser. With the support of some in the local Jewish community. I still, still look at look at the Red Sox trying to fucking yeah. bring them back into relevance. With support of some of the Jewish community. <laughs> I think funny. it's time to bring Ronan Tynan home, man. After COVID's over. Could we, we just have him do God Bless America at a goddamn fucking playoff game? It might be what we're missing. I'll, I'm down for anything. No, get the Yankees to play ball. Just the make right an way. apology. You know, don't Come even on. do. Don't even make an apology. You look soft making an apology. That's yeah, true. Good, bringing an apology will just bring attention to it. What good is making an apology do anyway? You're right. It's just empty words. And it could be sincere. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares if you apologize. They're just going to twist those words too. Nobody gives a shit. They just want to destroy you. Yeah. And some, look, some people deserve to be destroyed, but not, not as many people as better being destroyed. Yeah, I know. I feel, <laughs> I feel like there has to be more to, more to why he got canceled. Maybe it was because he had those conservative ties, but like, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of like, it was such, a, it was kind of like a throwaway line that he made too. Like, it wasn't like he made, it wasn't like he made it publicly. Like these goddamn Jews. Like it wasn't like didn't seem very malicious. It seemed like kind of like a throwaway line. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, it was just kind of like uh... he probably meant it. He may have meant it, but but yeah, no, you know, I mean, you don't say something. guy's just singing a song at a baseball game. He's not really in a position he's of a, power. He's a pro at it. Yeah, saying, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so then the yeah, Yanks goes on to to lose that series. Mo devastating. Tough. And I will say this about Game Seven. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been more shocked as a fan than when they oh, lost that game. Talk, talk about being a fret. I was a freshman man, and everybody knew I was a Yankee fan. I was locked into every game that year, and I people I was sitting there in like this ridiculous hard wooden chair on my friends. Ah, nope, not my friends. My roommate's TV. And like, people were coming in laughing at me after that hit. And I was sitting there. Oh, no. Shell-shocked. Shell-shocked. It was, it was, it was shocking, people, yeah. People were coming and being like, ha-ha, motherfucker. I'm like, ah. Like, people I don't even know anymore. I don't talk to and never talked to since. Just fucking coming in and laughing at me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, really... Like you must not be a New Yorker, or not give a shit on New York. <laughs> you must be a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whose side are you? Whose side are you on anyway? Here's an interesting question for you about the series. Yeah, if they go on to win this series, let's say Mo gets the final three outs, they win that game two to one. 
Yep. Who's the MVP of the series for the Yankees? Because I have an answer for you. Might be a little surprising. All right. Well, I mean, off the top of my head, I I mean, uh, could go three ways in my head. Okay. So I'm going to guess one of them. I guess one of them is not yours. You have a fourth that's not. But I think my number one pick would be Soriano because he had the game-winning home run. Yeah, he, he's not my pick, but he's probably two or three. Then I'm going to go with – so, okay, so your one is not even going to be my two or my three because I, I, I'm not looking at the stats or anything right now. Just top of my head. Okay. Um, I, and then it's, got, it's either – to me, it's either Brocious or Jeter. No. Okay. And this is, I'm telling you, this guy, I believe he would have won the MVP as crazy as it is. Clemens. Yeah, well, he pitched that. Yeah, he dueled Schilling in game seven. Yeah. I and, could, game, yeah. and he won game three. He had a one three five ERA, 13 innings, yeah. 10 hits. Okay. That's he, fair, wouldn't have, yeah. he wouldn't have gotten the win in game seven because I believe he came out just before they took the lead, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think. Uh, but he went toe to toe with Shelling. He went toe to toe with Shelling. Yeah, I, I think he would have been the MVP. And I wonder yeah. if he would have been. I know Clemens is a scumbag. Everyone hates him. Like he, every fan, even teams he played for, Yankee fans hate him. Red Sox fans hate him. I wonder if he would be perceived a little bit differently if he was World Series MVP, though. Yeah, maybe because it's hard. It's series. hard to like. It's really hard to hate a guy who's won a World Series MVP. I feel like. Especially in a situation like that, I mean, that's yeah, yeah, that's that's heroic type stuff. That's that takes the hero at a, of sports into a different light completely. Yeah, um, and it, I mean, the the crazy thing about the like offensive guys is there really wasn't anybody to give it to. So I think nobody was nobody had a hot nobody series. hit. No, no Jeter wasn't good. Everybody Gino, was Bernie. Yeah, uh, O'Neal is probably one of the best offensive players, and he didn't even play every game. He was five for fifteen. With with he didn't even have yeah. a ribby or or, or it was. one run scored. Yeah, so I mean, you, I think Clemens is the guy, or or you could say you could make you could have made the argument for Rivera. That's the other guy. Yeah, if he gets that save because he would have been. He um, won a game, right? Right, he won game four. He closed out game three. And he would have closed out game seven. So that would have been two saves and a win. So I think it's either Rivera or Clemens. It's a toss-up. Yeah, no, I can see that for sure, man. And that's, I mean, I don't know if this is, I mean, it's a kar- karmically, of course, Clemens, you know, a series which Clemens could have or should have won the MVP. He didn't win. They didn't win the World Series. It just, it just feels like, uh, it, you know, maybe that's the right way to have it. <laughs> As he, should, he should not have been an MVP for this team. Clemens. He should not have. He should not have been the Lord. I think like A. Rod is not the MVP of the '09 series. No, <laughs> Rod, maybe Clemens should not have been the, the the MVP of the '01 series. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, it's an interesting debate, though. I mean, it's a it's a pathetic debate because they didn't win, so it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, it's, it a is. Mo- it's obviously a moot point. But it would have been. I think it's between Rivera and Clemens. I really no. He, he he definitely could have been. I mean, the game three was a two-one game, pivotal game. It was you know it was uh yeah. What do you go seven in that, and Mo went two. Yeah, I mean that's you know you need him, man, and uh, he he showed his 
he showed what his uh, playoff medal could have been. Right, if, and, and uh, he was always notoriously a horrible postseason yeah. pitcher, which he found yeah. a – I don't know if it was steroids or whatever, but <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, later in his career, like he actually – you know, in 2000, 2001, he actually became a pretty good pretty exercise, postseason exercise, pitcher. Exercised some of those demons, yeah. Yeah, exercised them all right. Cool, no cool. Yeah, we fit him into his regimen, yeah. Yeah. Exercise of a different kind. Yeah, so obviously tough series, tough loss, just really – I mean, just hurt, you know. Not just for 9-11. Not just for 9-11. I'm just talking about the sports man. You know, it would have hurt either way. Oh, uh, hard and multiple it just, It just hurt. It just it just really uh, – it really, the thing that made it hurt probably the most was that, you know, it wasn't until nine years later, or was it eight years later – that you get back to the mountaintop, which is which is what the real really hurt because you're just used to being in the postseason every year, which they still were, winning World Series, and then it kind of uh, came to a scratching halt after that, and you realized how hard it was after <laughs> after that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dynasty over. Yeah. Hey, um, so I'm gonna before we wrap this up, man, and I want to just kind of move away from being, uh, I don't know. I don't know, sad saps over here. Yeah. Let's get back to uh, some place that we're comfortable being. Let's get back to a place of hatred. Perfect. Uh, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to name names here on the Diamondbacks team. Yeah. And I want you to tell me uh, one to ten how much you hate this player. All right. All right. We're gonna start. We're gonna we're gonna do the pitching staff first. Um, Byung Young Kim. Oh, like a two. No, nothing to, against him. Randy Johnson. Oh, he's a little bit higher. Young and Kim, 13-5 ERA. Right? Randy, uh, Randy Johnson's at like a nine. Wow, okay. So, not <laughs> nowhere to go for this one, but uh, Kurt Schilling. Oh, Schilling's like a 12. <laughs> Schilling's one of my least favorite players ever. He's one of my least favorite people ever. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, I can't stand showing. All right, so we're gonna do. I'm not gonna do the whole, obviously. But uh, what about Jay Bell? Here we go. Ah, uh, Jay Bell is nothing to me. I think he did end up. Was he one that he scored the game winning run? Nope. It wasn't. Was it, it Council? Craig Council. I think it was Council. I thought Council scored the game winning run in the Marlins series. No, because Council got hit. Was he it was Jay the, Bell right before? Oh, I think it was Jay Bell. Council got hit right before the Gonzalez. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I could, J-Bell, I'm indifferent. In I could probably, I could probably count on one hand how many times I've watched Game Seven in the series. Or nah, I know. Yeah, it's tough. It's uh, a tough one. All right. Well, how about Craig Council? See, I don't hate Craig Council. I, I really don't. I think I actually think he's a decent manager for the Brewers. Um, Council is like a four yeah. or five. Steve Finley. Yeah, same. Indifferent with him. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Stephen Lee hater. A long time angel. Yeah. Uh, Mark Grace. Ugh, I don't like Mark Grace. Mark Grace more like a six seven. He's a little bit higher. Okay. Reggie Sanders. <laughs> I don't mind Reggie Sanders actually. He's a decent right fielder. I like Reggie Sanders player. made it on the Soriano walk off hit in Game Five. Go back and look. Reggie Sanders actually made a pretty decent throw to. Uh, the home. I think it was Rod Barajas that was catching and uh, didn't come up with it. 
Reggie was a good ball player, man. You would have drafted him. You would, you'd be happy to have him in your outfield if you're a fantasy baseball player. Oh, yeah, that. number two outfielder. Yeah, not number uh-huh. one, but number two. I got to go back and look at that throw now because I think he made a pretty good throw. Tony Womack. Oh, I fucking hate Tony. That, that was the most shocking moment as a sports fan was that double by Womack in game seven. It was tough. Real tough to take. Um, the thing that makes Womack worse is that he was a Yankee a few years later, and he stunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was not very good. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh-huh. Womack, yeah, Womack is like in the Randy Johnson range. Probably not as close, but, uh, yeah, it would be shilling. It would be shilling one, then unit two in terms of hatred. Well, there's two more guys. Luis Gonzalez. And? Um... You could think of his wife probably more. Than, oh, Matt uh, Williams. Yeah, Matt Williams yeah. is like a 10. I hate Matt Williams. I hate Matt Williams more than Luis Gonzalez. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Matt, Matt, if, if Schilling's a 12, Matt Williams is 11 and a half. Yeah. And Gonzalez is a 10. I can't stand it. He used to show Matt Williams' his wife constantly. It was like the uh, Kurt Warner treatment with his wife. Right, I remember. Yeah, his wife. Uh, his wife ended up with like Tony Romo for a quick minute. Yeah, it was a minute. That's what I heard. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was either even shorter than her marriage to Matt Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. All right, so I, yeah, all right. As long as we hate that team, let's all go right. off on a. Yeah, and I just and, a... and before you do your thing, uh, that throw by Reggie Sanders. Pretty good throw, even though Knobloch may have still been safe. Baraha should have came up with it. Just for just just giving a shout out to Reggie Sanders. Good throw. You're, you're Not a great favorite. throw. Good throw. Who do you like better? Because uh, Re- here's another good, a good ball player that was on this team was David Delucci. Yeah, he had a cup of coffee with the Yankees. I, I remember seeing Delucci in person play and him hitting a dinger. Actually, maybe like oh two oh three. He may have been on the 03 team that went to the series. I don't even know. I like uh, yeah, I didn't mind Delucci. You know, yeah. obviously, name ends in a vowel. He gets a little bit <laughs> boosted. Yeah, nice yeah boost. but uh, I mean, he was a he's so- solid player. Like, yeah, kind of like, sure. want to say, like a Mike Talkman of today, kind of a little bit. Uh, a little more, I want to say a little more pop. I don't know. It was complete. Yeah. I feel like Delucci had probably a more better, pop. probably better, you know, more accomplished than Talkman, I guess. Let's see. All right. Let's finish. Let's do David DeLucci's 13 years in the bigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, career batting average of 256. Mm-hmm. Uh, 101 home runs, 398 RBIs. Yeah, still 41 bases. 13 years, though. That's a good career, man. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, we've talked about this before not on the show but the documentary on hbo from this world series nine innings from ground zero is like an all-time oh, got, all-time yeah. documentary yeah we we talked about bush before but going out there like was it game three must have been game, game three, three went yeah. out there first pitch was one of the most awe excuse me awe-inspiring things uh you could expect any leader to do in that position, he went out there with a bulletproof vest on. Jeter, and and Jeter, another great, another <laughs> great leadership moment right there. Even with the enormity of the moment, had you know took time out to kind of 
not jaw the guy, but talk a little trash, but you think put Bush at ease and not to, not to freak him out, but to put him at, at ease. And he's kind of said, you know, you know, the great line was, uh, if you bounce it, they'll boo you. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, you know, less than a month after, or maybe just, just over a month after nine 11, you know, tell the president of the United States as he goes out there, uh, his incredible balls in the guy. And again, it's, it's a leader on leader right there, where it's just one guy looking out for the other guy and just saying, like, you know, I know you're nervous, but, you know, there's worse things out there, I guess, than what you're nervous about. I don't know if that's what it was, but it's, it's a I think great... he was just breaking his balls. <laughs> to be well, it's a, well, it's a great line in the moment. It's a great line in the moment if it was just a regular World Series game, but to actually have the balls to say in that moment, in yeah. that World Series, is something special. Yeah, no, it's great. It's just yeah. Jeter, you know? Yeah. So, that's it. Don't fucking bounce it. They'll boo you. Yes, and obviously those three games at Yankee Stadium were uh, you know, just incredible and a big part of the healing process, for yeah. lack of a better term. Yeah. Um. All right, so we'll we'll try we'll end on a high note. You want to read something from Hunter? Well, it's not a it's not a very high note. Well, yeah, but I mean to us, I guess. Well, it's just uh, the day after nine eleven. He, he Hunter, Hunter Thompson was writing for ESPN dot com for page two, That's, which, is, which is crazy to think he was writing for ESPN. Right, it was the end of his career. With, not, with what ESPN has become, like. It doesn't seem like Hunter S. Thompson would be like their cup of tea. And he, and even then, I mean, it was the end of his career. He, he was writing like a silly sports uh, article once. Not even an article. It was just kind of – it was basically a blog. It was just nonsense that he was writing. You read some of them. I mean, it's just silly shit, man. It's just, it's just him and his typewriter in his basement in Woody Creek, Colorado, just kind of uh, – mm-hmm spitting out random shit and none of it really makes sense but this was probably the last time he even touched the surface of his greatness um and maybe it could have been 10 it could have been 15 20 years since even you know but before this that he even touched this level and it was just uh um his take on the aftermath of 9-11 um and his uh hey rube was that was the title of his blog, Hey Roop. Um <laughs> But it was maybe the last time he touched any sort of of the level of people what people wanted from Hunter Thompson. Like he always had this uh, shit. Not to make it a whole Hunter Thompson thing, but he had an aura about him as being this voice of uh, I don't even know what the fucking just a, just a just a voice of not disenfranchised. The voiceless, not, voice not, of the voiceless. Not even that, but just like he could put into words, like uh, what you couldn't, and like yeah. in a way, in a way that you could only wish that you could, you could. Like, yeah, I, that's what I felt. I, I knew that, but it, and and this was a, this was a peak of his powers at the very end of his uh, life and career. And he starts off. Uh, this is nine twelve two thousand and one. And he starts off. <clears throat> It was just after dawn in Woody Creek, Colorado, when the first plane hit the World Trade Center in New York City on Tuesday morning. And as usual, I was writing about sports, but not for long. 
football suddenly seemed irrelevant compared to the scenes of destruction and utter devastation coming out of New York on TV. Even ESPN was broadcasting war news. It was the worst disaster in the history of the United States, including Pearl Harbor, the San Francisco earthquake, and probably the Battle, the battle of Antietam in 1862 when 23,000 were slaughtered in one day. The Battle of the World Trade Center lasted about 99 minutes and cost 20,000 lives in two hours, according to unofficial estimates as of midnight Tuesday. The final numbers, including those from the supposedly impregnable Pentagon across the Potomac River in Washington, likely will be higher. Anything that kills 300 trained firefighters in two hours is a world-class disaster. And it was not even bombs that caused the massive damage. No nuclear missiles were launched from any foreign soil. No enemy bombers flew over New York and Washington to rain death on innocent Americans. No, it was four commercial jetliners. They were the first flights of the day from American and United Airlines, piloted by skilled and loyal U.S. citizens. And there was nothing suspicious about them when they took off from Newark, New Jersey, and Dooley's in, in, excuse me, in, Dooley's in D.C. and Logan in Boston on routine cross-country flights to the West Coast with fully loaded fuel tanks, which would soon explode on impact and utterly destroy the world-famous Twin Towers of downtown Manhattan's World Trade Center. Boom. Boom. Just like that. The towers are gone now, reduced to bloody rubble, along with all hopes for peace in our time, in the United States or any other country. Make no mistake about it. We are at war now with somebody, and we will stay at war with that mysterious enemy for the rest of our lives. It will be a religious war. A sort of Christian jihad fueled by religious hatred and led by merciless fanatics on both sides. It will be, a, it will be guerrilla warfare on, global, on a global scale with no front lines and no identifiable enemy. Osama bin Laden may be a primitive figurehead or even dead for all we know. But whoever put all those all-American jet planes loaded with all-American fuel into the Twin Towers and to the Pentagon did it with chilling precision and accuracy. The second one was a dead-on bullseye, straight into the middle of a skyscraper. Nothing, even George Bush's $350 billion Star Wars missile defense system could have prevented Tuesday's attack, and it cost next to nothing to pull off. Fewer than 20 unarmed suicide soldiers from, apparently primitive, from an apparently primitive country Somewhere on the other side of the world took out the World Trade Center and half the Pentagon with three quick and costless strikes on one day. The efficiency of it was terrifying. We are going to punish somebody for this attack, but just who or what will be blown to smithereens for, for it is hard to say. Maybe Afghanistan, maybe Pakistan or Iraq, or possibly all three at once. Who knows? Not even the generals in what remains of the Pentagon or the New York papers calling for war seem to know who did it or where to look for them. This is going to be a very expensive war, and victory is not guaranteed for anyone, and certainly not for anyone as baffled as George W. Bush. All he knows is that his father started the war a long time ago and that he, a goofy child president, has been chosen by fate and by global oil and by the global oil industry to finish it 
now. He will declare a national security emergency and clamp down hard on everybody, no matter where they live or why. If the guilty won't hold up their hands and confess, he and the generals will ferret them out by force. Good luck. He is in for a profoundly difficult job, armed as he is with no credible military intelligence, no witnesses, and only the ghost of Bin Laden to blame for the tragedy. Okay, it's 24 hours later now, and we are not getting much information about the five W's of this thing. The numbers out of the Pentagon are baffling, as if military censorship has already been imposed on the media. It is ominous. The only news on TV comes from weeping victims and ignorant spectators. Oh, excuse me, ignorant and ignorant speculators. <laughs> the lid is on. Loose lips sink ships. Don't say anything that might give aid to the enemy. That was it. Wow, heavy stuff. Uh, yeah, how you can formulate that after witnessing that is, uh, I don't know, inhuman to me. But yeah. he did it. Yeah, he did it, and it was. Uh, I mean, it's still chilling to read today. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty spot on, and a lot of it rings true today, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, with that being said, I'll uh, we're not going to do the outro music or anything like that. So, uh, I, I, to me, I don't know, uh, just a quick 9-11 is, um, uh, it's, it's about kind of just honoring those that were lost, Um. Because whether they died needlessly or for a cause or for whatever, uh, you know, they, they, they should not have died that day. And I just think about all the families that were impacted and all the uh, lives that were cut short. And with the heavy heart, that they always falls on me with the heavy heart. Um, I probably will until I myself am... Uh, and dust, but uh, I'll just leave you with that on 9 11, uh, 2020. 19 years feels like yesterday, it feels like a million years ago, all on one fell swoop. But you know, that's all I got. Yeah, just a crazy day, and uh, just something that'll always leave a mark, always be a staple of our lives, and just uh. You know, our Kennedy, our our Pearl Harbor, just where, you know, remember where you were at the time. And uh, it'll always just be a, uh, just like a stamp in our, in our, in our lives. And, uh, and, and if you just, don't have, I will say this, if you don't have a memory of it, if you don't, just show respect for those who lived through it, whether it was somebody like me, who, I mean, I'm not actually going to kiss my boots or anything, but just, you know, who li- who didn't have any um, personal loss, but it felt personal, um, and have respect for those who did have those losses. I mean, that's some uh, once-in-a-lifetime event that, you know, a handful of people were affected by it, but that handful is pretty fucking big. Um, don't make don't make fucking jokes about nine eleven, unless you're a professional and could get away with it. Because it better be, I mean, because look, there's been a lot of jokes about nine eleven, uh, yeah. but it better be a fucking good one. But don't make those jokes on nine eleven. Is what I'm saying, I guess. 
Uh, don't be a douche. Don't be a dick. Don't be a scumbag. It's a somber day. It's a sad day. And uh, treat it as such. Well said, yeah. Thanks, Sam. All right. <laughs> I'll be back here uh, when we come back. It'll be a Monday. Monday Night Football. Giants opening day. That's, that'll be the next show after this. Can't wait. Yeah, something to look forward to. Something positive. Well, except for the Giants getting their ass kicked on Monday Night Football. But yeah, Big Ben's return. That's positive. It's better than talking about 9-11, I suppose. <laughs> but as always, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon here on Sunday Pool. All right. Peace.